0: Yong, Welcome to I've Made a Huge Mistake in Arrested Development Podcast. I am your host, Darren. Uh, today I am joined by two guests. First of all, returning guest, uh, Alison Sagan. Seigan?
1: Saigon, happy to be here.
0: I got it right the first time. And I also have with me, all the way from a completely different day, Tom McDermott. Hello, yeah.
2: Tom. Yong, I'm from the future. So weird. Uh,
0: the episode we're going to be talking about today is episode 14 of season 2, The Immaculate Election. Uh, It was first broadcast on the 20th of March, 2005. It was written by Barbie Adler and Abraham Higginbotham. Abraham Higginbotham, best known as Gary, um, who Job demonstrates his seat to a number of times in the show. Um, And it was directed by Anthony Russo, of course, uh, one half of the Russo brothers, uh, best known for directing, um, I guess at this point, Avengers films. You, Me and Dupree and a number of episodes of Community, and of course they set the look for this show, because they directed the pilot. And I'm going to read you the summary of the show, as I found it on IMDb. At his girlfriend's request, George Michael decides to run for class president, but he finds that it will not be easy competing with his rival, Steve Holt. Once again, Michael and Joe find themselves competing with each other, as it's revealed that Steve Holt is Job's son. That doesn't seem like a fair assessment of the episode because that only hap- that reveal only happens in the on the next at the very, very end. It's mm, um, not really dealt with in the bulk yeah. of the episode. No, and it just
1: Like there's hints, but it's not really like it's not explicit until the end. Yeah,
0: I think the stuff with Buster and Lupe or, you know um you know, I think that might have been kind of more prevalent. Mm. Uh but anyway, yeah, it's it's that's an odd description. Uh, I find these IMDB ones are always a little odd. So, first of all, I'm going to ask Tom, when did you come to Arrested Development? Did you watch it when it was on the air? Did you catch it on DVD? Or, or were you a latecomer and you watched it on Netflix?
2: I watched... I caught it originally on TV and didn't like it because I it was just a random episode. I can't remember which episode. Just some random episode, and I had no context for anything. So, yeah, I watched it and thought this was a terrible show, and then someone later on, <laughs> a few years ago... Uh, my girlfriend at the time suggested we watched it, and uh, I was pretty resistant at first, because I had remembered not liking it when it was on TV, but I'm glad she powered through and made me watch the whole thing, because uh great.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not a great show to watch just a random no. episode of, and never anything Definitely else. Not. There
0: are some kind of self-contained episodes, but there are so many that rely on callbacks and call forwards, and like little running jokes and stuff that... It can kind of seem a little alienating, something which, of course, gets touched upon in season three, um, when okay. when Michael describes the family as it was basically described in viewer cards, which are sent to Fox, um, So, <laughs> which is an interesting kind of meta joke. Um, so anyway,
1: yeah. let's
0: get straight into the episode. The main thrust of the episode is all about uh, the election. It's worth noting, of course, that this episode went out during the second term of... Uh, George W. Bush the first episode of this season actually went out the day after the American election or something around that time Like, so this season kind of started with the second term of George Bush and obviously the Bluth family themselves mm-hmm. have had lots of parallels to George Bush we've had a mission accomplished banner uh, you know we have someone who goes by his initials rather than his full name you know and I feel like Jeb Bush was kind of relatively unknown at this particular time so the whole Job thing and Jeb was not really an illusion people probably would have got, but I feel like this many years on, it's fairly obvious (laughs) what it's all about. Uh, And this election, it has some kind of parallels to what happened in 2000 rather than uh, 2004, uh, which of course we'll we'll get into later. We start, of course, George Sr. has been living in the attic and uh, we find out that the the house has been fumigated and (laughs) nobody thought to get George Sr. out of the attic. Lindsay has kind of been. I don't know. For this particular episode, she seems like really, really lazy. Like, it just seems like a, a weird. I know that she's not particular. Like, none of the family other than Michael are particularly kind of work hard, but uh, Lindsay seems very lazy. In fact, she starts off by saying, If you weren't all the way on the other side of the room, I'd slap your face. <laughs> uh, that's the level of laziness she, she has. And of course, you know, she she called the fumigators, and we see, we see Michael quickly go to retrieve uh, George out of the loft. And of course this is where, uh, George, George senior has been in the loft now since kind of like the third episode of the season. And this is where he, he starts kind of, he's, he's been kind of having tea parties with the dolls and kind of this, this becomes like a, a really weird, like little gag that they, they do. Um, and we see George running to save Polly, uh, trying to cover her <laughs> mouth and, uh, Kind of getting hit by the fumes of the fumigation. When he falls down and put, uh, like a cockroach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I d- I don't even know what they're really fumigating for because I don't think they really say, but they just say that they've had a, like someone doing the fumigation. I like that Lindsay's laziness extends all the way to essentially kidnapping Lupe and making her do the housework. And we see this montage where she gives she she at, she kind of goes past. Um, Uh, she sees Lupe on the side of the road and she gives her a lift and then obviously Lupe is like saying Mrs. Mrs. to try and get her to go off and go to Balboa Towers and Lindsay just says we've got one quick stop to make and she takes her to the house and has her basically clean the entire house Uh, and of course this leads to the exchange where we see um, we see like a a posing pouch and Lupe asks yours or misters and of course this is where Lindsay kind of sighs and says misters uh, <laughs> yeah and uh you know later later on there will be a brief conversation about that particular pouch, which will actually kind of lead to the creation of Mrs. Featherbottom um you know because it kind of ends things between Lindsay and Tobias, who of course have been indulging an open relationship for most of the season uh though their attempts to <laughs> have sex with other people have been mostly unsuccessful. And they've mostly actually finished...
1: Like, quote-unquote open relationships. Yeah,
0: they've kind of ended up pushing them back together as a couple. That's the really weird thing, is, like, it, they've spent more time together since they've been trying to pursue other people. Um, of course, yeah. Lindsay was famously turned down by Tom Jane, because, you know, he's Tom Jane. <laughs> and then I, I like that we find out that, that um, Tobias is gone, but Michael never noticed. And he says a very strange here thing where he says, I did notice we'd stopped you the the Christopher Lowell show. What? I don't know who Christopher Lowell is. But I'm guessing that is yet another allusion to
2: uh, Tobias's sexuality. I mean, I guess we it's safe, probably pretty safe to assume that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not a far, a hard, like difficult assumption no. to make.
2: I love uh, yeah. Jason Bateman's delivery here and Portia de Rossi. They both just fully commit to just playing, trying to pretend like they. Uh, have done what they're supposed to have done. You know, like, uh, uh, Jason hasn't, uh, he hasn't even realized that Tobias is gone. And Lindsay is also, uh, hasn't told maybe. And it's just pitch perfect. Just the apathy Mm. of
1: it all. (laughs) Just like, oh, Tobias is gone.
2: And of course
0: we find that the reason for this is because (laughs) Tobias, um, you know, was wearing this particular, you know, well, Lindsay was wearing the pouch and um tobias said you're going to stretch them out. Uh, and i like the f- oh. i like the fact that he says uh, <laughs> excuse me for liking the way they shape my junk which is such a considering he's a never nude i don't know how this is working because he'll be wearing the cutoffs and he'll be wearing that over the cutoffs so i don't know what it's shaping it's just shaping his cutoffs basically
1: it's just shaping his junk
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know Lindsay kicks him out and he takes up residence in the studio uh, inside the apartment of Detective Frank Wrench, um, and it's quite funny because obviously you know he doesn't get discovered for a while, um, and I'm going to say later on when he does get dis- discovered, we never find out how he got out of that situation. Oh God, we I want to know how before.
2: what happened there so bad. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: yeah, have him just slinking out of that bathroom, trying his best not probably to. Probably use
2: his cat-like <laughs> reflexes to Make uh, it... to escape. Yeah,
0: Something that would explain that, yeah. it. And of course, Job enters, finding out that Tobias has moved out, and his first question is... Did you take the good video camera with him. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, we get to possibly one of my favourite things that um, Will Arnett ever delivers, where he says he's making a magic video. He's going to tape himself doing tricks around the office. Calling it tricks. Let me finish. Around the office um and his and then of course he says i figured out a way to make money while i'm working (laughs) which kind of shows the attitude of the joe of the of the blue children and job in particular about how they view work uh
2: kind of although michael does also immediately point out that's called working (laughs) yeah
0: yeah uh yeah I kind of I love it. But, um, you know, this is where Job then pledges that he will go to the meeting that Michael wants him to go to so long as he gets the camera. And then, of course, we find out that George Michael was last using the camera. And of course, we get a a, a flashback to um, a 40th anniversary party. Um, and in the flashback Michael asks, is that Kusei Hussein at the omelette bar? (laughs) which is kind of a a hint because at this point they haven't really gotten into the Iraq stuff deeply, so that's just a hint of kind of what's to come Um, and we see George on the video like tapping one of those guards on the stomach and saying if they move they don't get paid which seems a little cruel to just kind of try to make them move basically Um, and then of course uh, we see George Michael doing the um, uh, doing the kind of lo- the, the Star Wars Kid video, which was kind of you know a viral sensation mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, and I like that, that George Senior says, "I spent two point one million of company money and end up with this." <laughs> and I don't, I don't know how I like, I don't know how this like. Do they only have one tape? Did like he just I, I like video cameras usually take smaller tapes and was that on a smaller tape how
2: were they watching it on the TV there's a whole load of questions that I can't figure out he also claims right before he says that right before it cuts to George Michael during the uh, anniversary footage that they didn't have to spend a dime on the anniversary so <laughs> yeah it's kind of uh, kind like where's of he getting angry when it comes to how much this anniversary tape actually cost him
1: yeah. And is it something that he's mad about them using the tape even though the event would probably be the you know what you're spending the money on? But no, he has to have the tape. It's there's a lot of questions. Yeah.
0: And of course this is where uh George Michael says, My hand, you cut off my hand which, you know, is obviously A reference to a lot of limbs being cut off in Star Wars, (laughs) uh, which is a popular thing that happens, but obviously it also is a reference to um, Buster uh, losing a hand.
2: And you get a shot of Buster looking kind of worried about it, but this is presumably quite a long time before he actually loses the hand, so I'm not sure whether this is hinted at as something that has been kind of dogging him, whether he's always been worried about losing (laughs) a hand. I don't know.
0: Of course, Job says it was worth every penny, and then says... Even you have to admit that that was the lamest thing ever put on tape. And the narrator tells us that Buster had videotaped himself rec- recreating moments from his favorite film, Chicago. And then he also, you know, likes Star Wars. <laughs> and I like... <laughs> That's, I
1: I think, one of the most, like, she like, perfect jokes of the show, show. is just so perfect and almost un- just unexpected see him just whack that mannequin <laughs> just, just going
0: and... yeah uh, wonderful um and of course um you know we have a whole thing about Michael kind of worried about the boy's self esteem um and this is this is something that will will end up with um uh you know throughout the episode Michael is concerned about George Michael's self esteem but George Michael's self esteem seems fine and he can't see that it seems fine. <laughs> and it just becomes this kind of... Obviously, you know, this is what Michael does. He doesn't really listen to George Michael at all. Um, and then, you know, he's not crazy about Anne, which is something that we've understood from the moment that he met Anne. And, uh, and then Joe mentions, unless he knocks her up like you did with her mother. Plus, she's religious. That one gets pregnant. It stays pregnant. <laughs> Believe me. And then he says rather ominously, I "dated a chick like that once in high school." And then, after a pause, he goes, "No, I didn't." And I, I mean, this is essentially the introduction of Eve Holt, mother of Steve Holt. It's in such a kind of odd way because you think it's kind of a bit of like a just a throwaway comment, uh, but obviously by the end of the episode we'll find out what happened with uh, Steve Holt's very religious mother. And of course, Steve Holt's video reflects, I guess, uh, his mother's religiosity as well as uh and and this is where you know michael overhears a conversation between george michael and Anne, where he says i don't think i'm ready and he says you know she says of course you are and he says i think i'm gonna lose it before i start and this is where michael bursts in and he says i'm sorry smoking it's a killer That Sammy Davis Jr. should still be performing. And it's such a weird way to cover that kind of burst in him. But I love it. Um, (laughs) And then, of course, we we find out that, uh, you know, they're talking about uh, student body president. And, of course, only the cool kids run. And Michael asks, who's cooler than you? Uh, to George Michael, which I think is basically explained by pretty much everybody. Most
1: people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe we'll sum it up later on with comparing apples to some fruit you've never heard of, Um, which I think is kind of a good assessment. Uh, And then, you know, obviously this is where we get a whole thing between... I mean, Anne in this episode is quite kind of uh, aggressive in the fact that Michael kind of says, you know, like he ran for student body president um you know because he he says he'd be following it in his father's footsteps and Anne's like you were student body president and he's like it was close he's like so you lost and he's like who remembers it's she's like
1: i know i would remember
0: and i i like how kind of ann is the one to kind of force him into admitting that he didn't win uh and and this is of course where we get the most obvious reference to the 2000 election where he says that, um,
1: you know... The the other guy won the actual title, although there were plenty in the school, wanted to overturn the decision. I said, let's do not... Let's not put the school through that, you know.
0: Uh, and, of course, this finishes me kind of trading off a little. and just going... haven't thought about that for years. Good memory. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, and, obviously, you know, later on, we, we get a whole bunch of stuff about 2% and how he lost by 2%, and, obviously, you know, all of that is a lot of allusions to uh, Al Gore winning the um popular vote uh but losing the electoral college something which i'm sure will never happen ever again
1: right um, <laughs> we're, we're not thinking about that right now no, no. Not let's not take this recording
0: no. by talking about <laughs> so dark uh, no let's keep it something happy yeah. like the 2000 general election in, in america um yeah um and then obviously, you know, this is where we find out that Anne, managing the campaign, is deciding to emphasize virginity. Um, and, you know, I like how Anne talks about how, you know, they're waiting and it's going to be so awesome because it's not just going to be my love and George Michael's, but it's going to be God's love as well. And it's going to be incredible. And I like how this seems to be getting George Michael a little hot under the collar, because then he immediately kind of cuts her off a little bit. And says, All right, I'll do it. I'm in. Um... And I kind of, I kind of like how Anne seems to be kind of revving George Michael up, and of course he says, "I'm pumped," <laughs> which uh, I just kind of, I kind of love. I, I think everyone in the audience knows that George Michael is not going to be able to win this. Like he's, this is kind of like a losing battle. Normally, with kind of plots like this, where someone is kind of a bit delusional, I, uh, I kind of cringe a little bit at what they do, but I think they actually pull this off quite well with George Michael. Um, even later on, when uh, Job decides to take over and fight dirty, uh, we go to to Buster and uh, Lucille, and uh, you know Buster's been feeling sorry for himself because he he lost his hand, obviously. Um, and, and this is where we got like Buster kind of yelling, "I'm sorry, I'm having in inconvenienced to you, mother." And I this kind of the relationship between. Um, uh, Lucille and Buster in this episode is kind of a little bit more like vicious than it normally is. Like normally he's a little bit kind of more um, kind of easily manipulated, but in this particular episode, um, he uh, he seems a, a kind of a bit more aggressive towards Lucille. Um, and mm-hmm. a, there was actually a, a, a kind of a cutscene where uh, Lupe kind of consoles Buster or attempts to console Buster by putting a a rubber glove over his hook, but as she puts it over the hook, it just tears <laughs> off. And and Buster kind of looks kind of heartbroken at this. And uh, it's kind of the start of what ends up being, um, you know, the actual, um, you know, storyline where, where Lupe and, and Buster kind of get together. And we, we see that, um, you know, uh, Lupe, they, the narrator tells us that Lupe feels sorry for the loss of Buster's
2: hand. And Lindsay feels sorry for the loss of Lupe, um, because obviously that you know, whole Buster and Lupe thing really comes out of nowhere. There's like <laughs> a scene setting it up with no foreshadowing, as far as I can tell. Yeah. No, it just yeah, it just yeah it's happens. not
1: something that they've been hinting at for the for you know the whole season like they normally do. Yeah,
0: I think it might be just an echo of Job and Marta. Like the idea that the the kind of the Bluths kinda of enjoy getting together with people that might anger their parents. <laughs> like the only reason Lindsay mm. married Tobias was, you know, just to kind of piss off her parents. The only reason it seemed that, that Marta was going out with Job is, you know, Job was maybe using her he never seemed to have any connection with her. I always found that storyline a little odd because I don't know under what circumstance Job would have ever met Marta. Um but yeah. you know yeah, that's true. So there, there is kind of an attitude from the Bluth children, to, or certainly from Lucille, towards kind of immigrants. So I think it's just interesting that this is this is where we end up. You know, Lindsay trying to get rid of some of the trash that she's she's kind of collected around the house. She goes into the um, she goes into the attic and she she sees um, Polly, and you know she takes it away from from George Senior, and this kind of um, you know this this will start his kind of. I mean he's kind of been a little bit crazy for most of the season while he's been trapped in the attic Um, so this will kind of continue in this episode and then once we get to the office we get you know the start of tricks. wait for it around the office and Michael is trying to do a meeting and you know Job kind of appears and he's like what's this a stuffy office meeting (laughs) maybe it's time for a little office magic and then Ron <laughs> Michelson, who is, by the way, billed as himself, um, he, he asks, what's office magic? And then Job does a, uh, a clock trick where he, he turns 10.45 to lunchtime. And I don't think he actually moves the hands that much.
2: Like lunchtime is yeah ten forty five to eleven (laughs) o'clock
1: yeah or maybe even like a couple minutes before eleven it's very
2: close (laughs) yeah he
0: he obviously doesn't get time to turn the hands that much so he classifies lunchtime as like a few minutes away Um, and then this is where Ron Michelson asks why does lunch have to be so dull and I do like Ron Michelson's kind of stilted reading of all these lines. Um, and then, you know, Job tries to get a chicken to come out of a bag and it just falls onto the desk and he tells everyone to take a five. And then this is where, you know, Michael tries to stop them from taking a five, but I think that most of them are kind of already out of the office. And, uh, this is where he finds out that Ron Michelson, um, you know, he thought he was an investor and he voted against Michael, but he's just an actor... Uh, sitting there in the meeting, and of course throughout the season, Job has been the president, which you know Michael doesn't have a problem with. Uh, except at this particular point, he now decides that he's going to fire Job, um, and, and obviously uh, this is where we get into like a kind of tussle between the two of them. And once again, Job's terrible skills at operating the the office phone come into play, where he keeps trying to he keeps saying he's going to call security. Uh, And I like. But
1: he has no idea
0: how to. No, but I like that. You know, Michael says that he's been helping out, but that's over. And then Job says, "Sorry to hear you say that, Michael, because it just cost you your job." And I like how they're like competitively trying to fire each other. Um, And then, uh, and then at this particular point, um, you know, Michael says, "You don't need to
2: learn how to work the system because you're out of here."
0: And then Job asks for security to come in, and of course they take him away and we find out that the guard recently lost half his tie to office magic. Um, I don't even know what that trick would be. Like a- <laughs> I'm going
1: Is it one of the-
0: I'm going to guess that he was trying to cut his tie and then like put it back together. Uh like, oh, you know, like, like, yeah. like a cut the rope trick, but when you cut the rope and you do a cut the rope trick, you don't ever cut the rope. So it, it is a literally like a special no. trick. So you can't just cut someone's tie and put it back together unless it's a gimmick tie. <laughs> um
2: but I- I kind of love Job's
0: confidence that this would be a hit with people in the office if he just started doing magic tricks around them and to them. Uh, so, of course, then, you know, the guard doesn't, you know, he has no problem taking Job away. And then, uh, you know, <laughs> when maybe appears, um, you know, because obviously she's in the uh, the copying room making copies, um, you know, she asks what it's all about. And I love Michael's phrasing of your uncle Job doesn't not work here anymore. <laughs> Uh, which is kind of like <laughs> a weird little double negative that I, I kind of like,
1: and not an inaccurate one. No, no, no,
0: and not then, at all. And then, of course, this is where Michael breaks the news to maybe that Tobias has been thrown out, um, and then, of oh, you know, yeah. this is where he finds out that you know, this is where um, you know, she, she says maybe I should start keeping some secrets of my own, um, which I think at this point she is working for the studio, so she has a secret to keep. Um, and she this must is do what... because she
2: tol- yeah. tells uh, Michael to marry her and then yes, this is suddenly th- she yeah. realises that yeah. she can't <laughs> yeah, do she's that she's willing
1: to marry me
2: <laughs>
0: yes when she said, reflexively says marry me and then says oh I'm sorry I forgot who I was talking to uh, and she explains yeah. that term you know she's making posters and of course um, Michael says you know, like, when maybe says he's going to win by a landslide Michael says that's what I've been telling him and of course, she asks, "How
1: do you know Steve Holt? Are you an AA?" <laughs>
0: and, uh, at this particular point, we already know that Steve Holt has been a senior for at least three years, uh, which is obviously where the chant later on is quite appropriate. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> George Michael, uh, you know, he he reveals that George Michael's running, and maybe asks, you know, describes Steve Holt as the hottest guy in school, and he's won three years in a row every year after his first junior year um and then when when asked if he's more popular than george michael maybe he says
1: well that's like comparing apples and some fruit nobody's ever heard of
0: and she says he might even finish after the indian kid and at this particular point i want to bring up the fact that the indian kid in this episode is uh, he's named uh rav nadir uh which of course when it is said later on in the episode sounds a little bit like ralph nader.
1: Oh, I did not pick up on that.
0: <laughs> and so that is of course a reference to uh, you know ralph nader stealing votes in florida um from al gore and, and causing the whole upset in 2000 um you know so i think it's weird because you don't really catch it cuz they he only says it once in his campaign video right at the very end uh you know when he says vote for Rev nadir you'll have to well, excuse me for not
2: caught catching that considering I'm, <laughs> that I'm not from america and i'm i was also nine at the time <laughs> that Rev yeah. nadir was doing that yeah. kind of
0: thing it's it's not the first time that you know things have been revealed to people on this podcast there were some people who were did not realize that will Arnett was married to amy poehler i knew that one at least
1: oh, i mean i knew that but that's amazing that somebody would know that yeah and watch those episodes
0: and of course this is when we go back to uh, balboa towers this is where you know uh lucille finds out that her son is being taken care of by lupe and this is one of the scenes one of the exchanges that plays on the dvd menus if you have the dvds and obviously a few scenes kind of go in a loop for about two minutes and this is one of the quotes and i just love the the quickness of it where you know lucille says and yet you're too good to polish the candlesticks. You're fired! And Buster goes, You can't fire me, I'm your son. I'm firing you! And then of course Lucille goes, I was firing Lupe! And then Buster just goes, No, that makes more sense. Um so he's 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 yeah. not willing to stand up for Lupe um in this particular this particular uh, situation. And then of course, um <laughs> when Lindsay sees Lupe um, she asks, can you come over and, you know, Dustbuster or something? And then, of course, Lupe says...
1: I know Dustbuster anymore!
0: <laughs> which, which, of course, then when Lindsay re- replies with, fine, I'll Dustbuster, there's a little bit of a look on Lupe's face as if she's like, really? What's going on? Like She looks horrified.
1: That, that, is, that was a joke that I honestly did not catch for the first few viewings of this, <laughs> the, the implications of the word Dustbuster. It took me a while.
0: Obviously, you know, it only becomes kind of obvious when Lupe shows a little bit of disgust when <laughs> Lindsay says that's what she'll do. <laughs> right. And then, of course, you know, uh, we find that Tobias is on the bathroom set of Wrench, and it's not a real toilet. So I don't know what he's done in there. <laughs> uh, but... You would
2: have thought he'd check first. You'd you
1: think you'd understand that before you started to, <laughs> you know use it but whatever. yeah uh, and of course <laughs> it's 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 tobias
0: <laughs> well we we hear from the other side of the door we hear a frank wrench saying you're a dirty cop so frank wrench is going to clean you and then asking where the door is <laughs> cl- cl- um, locked uh tobias says i've got to go but i can't see how he gets out of that set i don't i mean i guess his cat like abilities probably help him climb over it or something but
2: uh, yeah, he's kind of just
1: Something trapped like that. in there.
2: If I'm not mistaken, one of the voices is Frank Wrench, but the other one is actually Ron Howard, uh, probably is, is directing the episode of Wrench. Maybe I I can't say I paid attention to the, the like the person saying cut. It's probably just because I've listened uh, watched the episode about three times in the space of twenty four hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh well, that would do it.
2: But uh, yeah, I'm huh. pretty sure it's Ron Howard. Which is a nice little Easter egg. Ah. Uh, and then, of course,
0: Michael realizing that George Michael is uh, not going to be a good, you know, suited to run for office. He arrives. And I like how George Michael says, it took me all day, but I got 10 signatures. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not, oh. that's not a good <laughs> sign. You know, if it takes you all day just to no. get 10, uh, you know, you're going to need a lot more than that. Uh, and I like that Anne has a poster that... Uh, is is like a, an acrostic and it has virgin spelled out and each letter has something <laughs> kind of
2: mm. oh, it's just the coolest thing ever
0: <laughs> and I, I like that michael's like you're not going to put that poster up are you <laughs> uh, and then once again we get like another kind of um uh, 2000 2004 kind of election reference where Anne says it's going to appeal to the christian crowd and of course um you know george w bush managed to win over evangelicals by quite large margins in those um elections uh and of course as we you know we we see um george michael saying he's going to win this thing and then we we hear the door open and people are chanting four more years,
1: four more years. <laughs> oh
2: man <laughs> for steve holt to be a uh, student president which i quite like i think that's one of my favorite jokes i didn't get the first time <laughs> kind of blew right past it without thinking about it but now looking back it's actually yeah the implications are amazing
1: right that that's i think that's one where i blew past it the first time i watched it too and then a a couple of times later i was like oh okay (laughs) especially considering the fact that this is already steve holt's for seventh year of high of high school if even yeah
0: i i think four more years at this particular point he's probably about 21 um
1: something like that Um,
0: and then of course uh, we get Job turning up at Lucille's one of the rare times where this happens it happened when he broke up with Marta uh, and it happened again when he was looking for a friend um, earlier in the season (laughs) and he ended up at at Lucille's and she was suspicious of that Um, and then of course I love the exchange where Lucille says Michael fired you and Job goes no I fired him but as a result I'm no longer welcome in the office (laughs) <laughs> and then of course, you know, uh, Luce, Lucille has fired her housekeeper and replaced it with um with a Roomba. Uh, which, Buster does this weird thing where robot. the Roomba kind of like stops and he like tries to feed it. Like, that's not the point of the Roomba. Like, it's meant to be cleaning stuff up. You're not meant to be putting more rubbish down.
1: I-, I love all the references to the Bluth family just being completely like illiterate at life pretty much when... <laughs> They have no idea what a banana costs, if it's like $10, and having to feed Robot. It's, I, I just love all of those moments.
0: And at this point, we also get a replacement for Lupe for Lindsay, um, where <laughs> the new housekeeper shows up, <sighs> and the agency has sent them over. And then Lindsay is almost about to say, I didn't call any agency. And then, of course, we see Tobias. Um, introducing uh, introducing himself as
1: my name is Phyllidia Featherbottom
0: um, which is just kind of crazy <laughs> now it's worth noting that David Cross never grew a moustache to be Tobias um, which came in handy in this particular case because essentially he just removed his fake moustache to be Mrs. Featherbottom but then when he's out oh. of costume as Mrs. Featherbottom to be Tobias he then has to wear a moustache again so he wears an extra fake like huge bushy moustache so for the rest of the season, Tobias's moustache kind of... In each episode, they're slightly ridiculous. And that then only highlights the fact that he's never actually grown a moustache for the whole run of the show. And of course, one of the things this gives Tobias the opportunity to do is sing um, <laughs> a lot of songs where he talks about putting a squirt of frosting down your throat before we take the medication. Um, and of course... Um, This is where the narrator tells us that he was eager to both see his daughter and prove to his wife that he had what it took to be an actor. It was the exact plot of the film Mrs. Doubtfire. And then, of course, as Tobias finishes singing... There was also some Mary Poppins in there.
2: This whole scene is just fantastic. (laughs) The whole thing, start to finish.
1: Everything with Mrs. Featherbottom is perfect.
2: Yeah, Mm. I think the funny thing is that...
0: um, The episode order was cut from um, 22 to 18, and they wanted to do Mrs. Featherbottom a little bit longer. They wanted to have a couple more episodes with Mrs. Featherbottom and then have Tobias transition to be Michael's assistant for the last few episodes. But once the order was cut back, they kind of couldn't do that. So the Mrs. Featherbottom stuff gets kind of really sped up like the the kind of arc is only like 3 episodes but everything gets done really really quickly
1: that's a shame that would have been interesting to see more of mrs featherbottom especially if 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 michael's assistant that that would have been that would have been good to see yeah
0: it's funny mm. cuz they kind of comment on that a little bit where tobias says that he developed an eating order and michael didn't even realize he was his assistant and it's like because they mm-hmm. didn't really get the time to do the storyline basically um now mrs yeah. Fe- Mrs. Featherbottoms you know introduces herself to Michael when he returns home and sees that the house has been cleaned and says that he 's from Blackstool now i urge you <laughs> I urge you to never google Blackstool because it is not a no. present image that comes back and then you know, as Tobias kind of goes back to work, Lindsay says, "I think he misses his daughter, and Michael you know says you know." You, you didn't even have the courage to tell maybe he'd moved out. Uh, and then this is where we get into kind of a discussion about, you know, George Michael running for office and how it's it's going to be bad because he's going to get crushed by Steve Holt. And of course, Lindsay, in the previous season, she'd met Steve Holt on a number of occasions, and she says, yeah, I'd vote for Steve. Um, <laughs> which, I kind yeah. <laughs> of like how quickly she came. I mean, he's actually fairly close to her age, so it's not that much of a, you know, the That's gaps... Biased.
1: <laughs> I mean, he's in his 20s yeah
0: it's it's not like he's fumigating. who am I to judge you're right <laughs> uh, and then of course you know uh, George missing Polly uh, and feeling the lingering effects of fumigation he uh, once again <laughs> becomes converted to a religion uh, this happened roughly this time in the previous season where he was converted to his own form of Judaism uh, where the Sabbath was on a Wednesday, yeah. and here he's converted to Christianity because he reads one of the leaflets that Anne had left behind, and I like his. I just love like Jeffrey Tambor's line reading of Our Heavenly Father let His Son die so that our sins could be absolved. And it's like he's reading it for the first time ever, and I just, I just love the tone of it. It's just
2: so kind of like completely odd. He has this little. uh injury from where he bonked his head earlier in the episode in the shape of a cross and i'm trying to remember did he have a a similar injury when he converted to judaism some
1: kind of no
0: when he converted to judaism he saw the star of david in as a shadow on the window oh, on the on the wall on the wall of his cell oh, yeah um the window kind of made a pattern and then of course i like when he says you know we must all seek forgiveness and michael's like well i'll call the warden for you and then he chose. <laughs> Because, like, no, no, this is for fresh crimes.
1: <laughs> oh, for sure, sure, fresh crimes. And I, I like how Ugh.
0: you know he's decided that um, Job and Michael are like gallant and uh, goofeth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that that that's great, right? Line reading the gallant and goofeth. Yeah, just the way he, the way Jeffrey Tambor says it is so good.
0: Uh, yeah, it's great. And of course, you know. At this particular point, um you know George senior won't help with the dirty tricks to get um George Michael to win, so he goes to job um <laughs> and I like how you know when he approaches Job, Job says, "If you came to grovel for the job of president, you're too late. My brother already fired me, <laughs> which kind of doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it at all job after Michael kind of comes to him and asks for you know him to help he says now i feel bad for firing
2: which (laughs) i like that he thinks that he fired michael there's a great bit of um physical work here where michael was going to sit down uh on the couch next to job but job sprawled across the whole thing and he kind of pats him on the leg to kind of shuffle him off and make some room but job just refuses (laughs) to move so he (laughs) kind of takes a squat instead
0: Uh, yeah he kind of paces around a little doesn't he um, and Ooh. this is where we find out, you know, that, um, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't need to beat Steve Holt. He just needs to beat the Indian kid. Uh, and you know, he'll rehire Job if he gets this to happen. And I like a, when Job here says the mere fact that you think <laughs> that you can says to me that I shouldn't let you, of course we both need the work, <laughs> which is <laughs> such a silly line. Uh, and then, of course, you know, this is this is where, uh, you know, something gets knocked over and Job's just like the robot will get it. Um, uh, and then this is where <laughs> I, don't, I mean, Buster, I don't know. This, this is a weird thing with Buster, like, uh, you know, obviously he was earlier characterized as, you know, enjoying scholarly pursuits, uh, which was uh, Lucille's way of saying that he, he masturbates a lot. Um, and uh, you know, here we find him, you know, that he's in bed with the Roomba and I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what's going on there, but I like that, you know, he says he's half machine and he kind of holds up his hook and then starts screaming, I'm a monster. And And then just kind of runs off.
1: When you really think about it, it's, it's inexplicable, but it's a very, very good moment.
0: This kind of like, I, I'm a monster thing. It just becomes something that he just screams out like <laughs> at kind of odd moments um, in kind of uh, just like when he gets kind of um, a bit kind of angry with people. Um, in a previous
2: episode, he he kind of tore up the entire apartment <laughs> while screaming, I'm a monster. He uh, purported to hate the robot earlier in the episode. So he's really <laughs> it's really been a love-hate relationship between him and the Roomba. And I
0: don't know if it's just because he was yeah. bored or I don't know where it is, but yeah. Um, and and then of course you know this is where Anne gets angry at the tone that the the campaign is going to take, and we get Job here saying that Michael refused to play dirty, and that's why he only got two percent. And then Michael's like, "Is that how little I lost by?" And I like how they talk over each other as he's going lost by, and Michael's going, "It was close." And it's like that's all you've got. Um, and then of course Michael's like, "It's really not what's important now." Uh, And then, of course, Anne walks out saying she can't support this because, you know, the Christian kids were going to make him president. Uh, Once again, you know, a bit of a a George W. Bush reference. Um, And Mm -hmm. I like how after Anne is upset, Job goes, she'll forgive you. (laughs) Which is such a kind of dismissive (laughs) thing uh, to say. This is where maybe meets Mrs. Featherbottom. And... um, You know, Tobias, as Mrs. Featherbottom, tries to encourage her to take Fun Fun, uh, which is Fen Fen, which apparently was banned by the FDA. And that was a real drug. Unlike a lot of the drugs that were pushed by uh, Dr. Funke's 100% um, natural good time family ban solution. um, Those are mostly fake drugs. Uh, But Fen Fen um, was a real um, drug. like slimming drug i think uh-huh. and it had it basically um it was introduced in the 70s because it, it was kind of quite quite good at um, temporary weight loss uh, the only issue is it basically destroyed your heart um so <laughs> right. oh well
1: that'll do it <laughs> uh
0: so they kind of took it off the market uh and it's actually kind of banned now uh and it was also fairly addictive um you know so it it wasn't a good drug and i don't know why Lindsay still has
1: no i
0: guess maybe it's a sign of the fact that her mother kind of bullies her so often about her weight that she's kind of resorting to taking illegal drugs uh and of course this is where um tobias starts singing about how you should always read the label you should always read it well and then he finishes (laughs) as he does with lots of
2: his songs in the most delicious way and i don't i I mean (laughs) there's a moment in here uh where i think it's after he finishes the first part of his song about taking the drugs where he leans in towards maybe holding a piping bag which is i assume full of frosting (laughs) yeah as an allusion to his previous song oh it's yeah that's that's what yeah he's about he's about to
0: put some frosting down her throat to help the medicine go down basically uh, and then, you know, this is where it maybe says Mr. Fingerbottom. <laughs> but the funny thing is... Mrs. Yeah, he only corrects <laughs> the Mrs. part. He doesn't correct the, the Feather part. Uh, and then, you know, after maybe he tries to leave, I like that, you know, Mrs. Featherbottom says... Uh,
1: tell me about your family. I'm sure wherever your father is right now, she loves you very, very much. Uh,
0: which is, you know, classic gender-flipping. Uh, and then, of course, maybe says not enough to be honest with me. I guess it's weird because obviously, you know, Tobias was kicked out without anyone telling maybe. So I don't know that maybe he could be angry at Tobias because it really, you know, Lindsay should have said something. But, uh, you know, she didn't. Um, and then we get to the election and we see the election videos and um, we see Rav Nadir and uh, he talks about um, how his family... Um, you know, have had dreamt and starvation, but not since they moved to Corona Del Mar. (laughs) And there's a kind of smattering of applause. And it's like, not a very enthusiastic video. But then I just like Job yelling stuff like, go home, you terrorists. You're not wanted here. Um, Didn't you make that video in a cave? Like a lot of kind of like uh, Osama Bin Laden kind of references. Um, And Mm. then obviously Michael is like, Kind of like how stupid do you have to be to say stuff like that. Oh uh, well. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then of course Steve Holt's video gets played, and it's produced by Ann Veal, and I love that when on his video he says, "Hi, I'm Steve Holt." Steve Holt himself then yells, "Steve Holt," because he can't resist. It's like it's like just something that he has to do. Um,
1: Compulsion. <laughs> yeah,
0: and of course I love this is where Job says. Uh, it looks like a chick i uh, dated in high school once <laughs> which you know uh and then oh, we find well. <laughs> out uh, and we find out of course that steve holt never knew his father and he's got a new father and then i like that he says
1: you're
2: probably wondering what these footsteps are well this is my second take It's kind of like a second
0: chance at making good. Uh, Which, of course, itself is an allusion to uh, the whole, you know, when there was only one set of footprints, I was carrying you uh, Mm. poem. Uh, uh, But I I love that Job at this particular point realizes that the tape he's putting on for George Michael is probably taking the wrong tack. Um, (laughs) They should probably (laughs) pull it. Uh, And then this is where Job admits that he's made a huge mistake. And then we hear Job in his voiceover saying,
1: Steve Holt
0: is a bastard. (laughs) I love how he kind of just delivers that line. (laughs) Because it's basically some of the stuff that Steve Holt's just said, but as if it's a bad thing. Um, And then it's like, what else don't we know about Steve Holt? And then I like (laughs) like that we get that kind of um, him kind of talking about George Michael's life, but framing it with his own life. So he talks about his dad is a powerful executive working for this man, which is such a weird... It's like, how is that going to get George Michael elected? And then obviously, you know, we find out that we have Lindsay posing in her slut T-shirt and uh, Mrs. Featherbottom either side of George Michael. And, um, you know, Job saying, young or old,
2: it doesn't matter, in the dark.
0: Such a good. Such a weird I love the line. genuine
2: outrage with which George Michael turns to Job and says, <laughs> "That's why you had me do that." <laughs> yeah.
1: I can't imagine what he thought that would be used for either. Just like <laughs> I don't, I don't. here, here, George Michael, turn off this light. Oh, okay. I mean, what will this be used for? You don't need to know. It's
0: Job. I mean, I don't know what he expected. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, of course, we get to the part of the tape where we see the Star Wars kid again, and Job says, "I like Steve's more," <laughs> which. Considering it was him who made that tape. I don't know. This is where George Michael relays that Steve Holt dropped out of the race. Uh, He wants to spend some time trying to find his real father. That's a storyline that won't actually get paid off again until uh, the start of the next series. Um, And then, you know, we find out that Ravnadir, the Indian kid, got 97% of the vote. (laughs) And, uh, you know, George Michael got 3%. Um, although of course we find out he actually tied with Bart Simpson and school sucks <laughs> uh, which I kind of like yeah. and then as a guy walks past he says hey Dog," and Michael goes hey he knows you now <laughs> which is I don't think much of a compensation for George Michael no. not really helpful yeah although of course we find out that Anne is a fan of people reenacting lightsaber fights and so she's willing to get back together with George
2: Michael um, and, you know, she wants to... It's a good thing she didn't see the video of Buster recreating Star Wars <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> uh,
0: I I like as well that, that uh, you know, George Michael says, I've only gotten better, and Michael's like, you're still doing that? I guess he is, he's just not filming it. Um, and then, of course, she offers to, you know, go grab a curtain rod and come over to my place, which is such an, an odd uh, thing to say, but... Uh, and then, of course, you know, he says to Anne, You make me feel really good about myself. And as they exit, Michael goes, I've got
2: to do something about that kid's self esteem. Uh, and that's where the episode ends. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's another example of uh, Michael so blatantly having the, his kind of relationship with uh, George Michael spelled out and then blatant, <laughs> so blatantly ignoring it. I, I, right. I mean, he, he ignored him about
0: the glasses, like where he started getting headaches. Um, there's a a few occasions where he kind of does this to to George Michael yeah but that is like the most obvious way he he says he feels good and and Michael doesn't even hear it Um, and on the next Arrested Development uh, we hear about Lucille um, taking uh, Mrs. Featherbottom the rest of the way Um, and then the narrator tells us Lucille finds a housekeeper she won't lose her son to And this is where Tobias is singing.
1: Keep from crying, even though your heart is...
0: (laughs) (laughs) And it's weird because Uh. that, to me, could be the end of the Mrs. Featherbottom story. Like, maybe knows who he is. Lindsay knows who he is. Michael knows who he is. And basically his scheme has fallen apart because now Lucille is using him. So that could be the motivation for him to just drop the whole thing. But it keeps going for a few more episodes. Uh, And then, of course, uh, Steve Holt is meeting with a guy and he says, I've wondering my whole life who his father is. And he says, a scientist, a doctor, a senator. And the guy says, I've got some bad news. And then we see a picture of Job and we hear the final countdown, but played like like an organ Um, as if it's like a, I don't know, like a theme to like a vampire movie or something. It's just very (laughs) ominous. Um, And then I like that Steve Holt goes,
2: Is that what's going to happen to my hair?
0: And just as puzzling as the whole Mrs. Featherbottom thing could have kind of finished with this episode, um, we also like Steve Holt knows who Job is now, but for some reason when he meets him in the garden where the kids got the severed hand, he doesn't remember that he that Job's his, his father, and so they end up going on this adventure. And you know, I don't know. I, I guess I guess that on the next could be located at any particular time in. Because they never specify, but uh, it always bugged me a little bit. I mean,
1: he is in his like seventh year of high school, so he's not necessarily the brightest <laughs> of the bunch.
0: Yeah, there is that mm. as well, isn't there? So is there anything else that you feel we need to cover from this episode?
2: I'd like to point out that during uh, Job's uh, video for George, campaigning for George Michael, you get a very, there's a, a kind of a quick montage of some satanic imagery. And in <clears throat> that, there's a quick cut of Mr. Banana Grabber. Yeah. Which I had missed up until the most recent watch. <laughs> yeah, there's
0: just a couple of frames of him. As if it is still continuing on and can still continuing to make money for Michael Bluth. Um yeah. And that is one of my favourite kind of little quick jokes.
1: The fact that Mrs. Featherbottom is one of my favourite parts of the show, so I'm glad I got to be on this episode.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so is there anything that either of you wish to plug? I'm going to ask Tom first. I don't do a lot of a lot, but uh, if you want to see some photos of random stuff and occasionally uh, exotic sites from around the world, you could... Follow my Instagram, tom.rides.bikes. Great stuff. (laughs) And Allison?
1: Um, not much is happening right now. I have a couple of things that I'm working on, but nothing I really want to specify. Um, but my website is happy-media.net. I'm probably going to be posting something there soon. Although given my procrastination, uh, Feeling as lazy as Lindsay, I guess um, i don 't know when that will be if
0: the computer wasn 't over the other side of the room, you 'd actually post something
1: exactly exactly if if it wasn't i didn 't have to plug it in and type I, I would post all the, all the time
0: so thanks to both of you for joining me, especially you know given the time difference from here to New Zealand for Tom getting up early in the morning to join us um. I, I always no, I always feel like kind of coordinating between time zones is very odd. I don't think I've mentioned this on the podcast, but Tom is one of the only two people that I've podcasted with that I've actually met in real life. Um, everyone else is just people I've we met on the internet.
2: We happen to be from pretty much the opposite sides of the world, so it's uh, <laughs> slightly yeah. shocking that we've actually uh, met in real life.
1: <laughs> that is interesting. <laughs> that of all the people. <laughs> and it's and yeah. great that that worked out, but it's interesting. <laughs>
0: Mm. so thanks for taking <laughs> part in this i really appreciate you giving up your time thank you thank you and otherwise goodbye and yong.